Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can you believe it? It's finally here. It's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you get stressed out about how to pay for it. SaveWithConrad.com can help you make this the best Christmas ever. You won't make a house payment for the next two months. That's right. Skip your next two house payments and use all that cash for your extra holiday expenses. And come next year, you're going to have a lower monthly payment. Don't put Christmas on a credit card. Pay your credit card debt off at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I am doing well, Conrad. Getting ready to head to Minnesota a little early for Thanksgiving with my brother and sister and Lori's family. She's got a lot of family there. And then uh, heading off to WrestleCade right the day after Thanksgiving. So a lot going on this month, man. Man, it's going to be a fun time. I'm uh, I'm jealous. I'm not going to be able to be at WrestleCade. I'm going to miss it. Have you been to WrestleCade before? I never have. I think you're going to love it. I think everybody who's ever gone had a great time. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. They're celebrating their 10 year anniversary. Uh, you can pick up tickets uh, to uh, everything they're doing. They got some live podcasts. They got some live wrestling shows. And of course you can meet Eric freaking Bischoff over wrestlecade.com. Go ahead and uh, do your pre-orders, buy your tickets, all that stuff. Wrestlecade.com. It's Thanksgiving weekend. So next weekend, or I guess it's this weekend. Uh, man, where does the time go? I can't believe Thanksgiving as we're doing this. It's just a few days away, but yeah, wrestlecade.com is where you want to be. And, uh, Winston Salem is going to be the place to be this coming weekend. And of course, if you're one of the lucky ones, you've already got your copy of, uh, Bischoff's new book, which I had a, a chance to read grateful. I, I love the book, Eric. Uh, can you sort of compare and contrast this second book with your first book? Yeah, I mean, the first book was really about strictly my history in, in professional wrestling with a little bit about, you know, how and where I grew up um, before that. But this book was, you know, it picked up where Controversy Creates Cash left off in about 2006 and, and, and covered, you know, up to current day. And, you know, the difference is, well, you know, we talked a lot about wrestling and my involvement in, 
in wrestling, both in TNA and back for, you know, a cup of coffee, as we say, in WWE in 2019. Um, it's really more about, you know, the kind of personal journey I've been on and, and admittedly struggles that I've had to deal with and challenges I've had to face. Uh, so, it's a, yeah, it's a little weird, you know, talking about things that typically are kind of private. You don't necessarily want to share with the world, but, you know, that was the reason for the book. And, and that journey and, and the challenges that I've had to face is kind of, it's been, a, it's been a blessing in a way uh, it can, because it's helped change my attitude about a lot of things as well as this podcast. And I cover that, as you know, you read the book, you know, I talk about the impact that this podcast has really had on my ability to kind of reflect on my career and, and laugh with it, you know, not, not laugh at it because there was a lot of great things and there's some things that were not so great. And we're going to cover some of that stuff today from what I gather, but uh, you know, it, this, this podcast in particular has been a kind of a cathartic thing for me and, and I'm, I've been blessed by it. So that's what the book is about. And, and so far, a lot of the input has been feedback has been really good. So I'm excited. Check it out right now. If you haven't already, you can pick it up at Amazon. Uh, you can actually get it on your Kindle right now. I'm talking instantly. That's what I did. It's only nine 99. But I've also ordered the hardcover because that's just fun to get autographed and put on a shelf and it makes one hell of a stocking stuffer. So if you're looking for the right gift to give the wrestling fan in your life, it doesn't get any cooler than that. You can pick it up over at uh, amazon.com. They got paperbacks available, hardcovers available, and of course, all the Kindle uh, instant, man. How do you beat instant? So check it out. Grateful from Eric Bischoff. You can just type it in your uh, your Amazon search bar and bam, there it is. I can't wait to see, uh, what the feedback continues to be. All I've read so far, nothing but five-star reviews, Eric. Have you, did the missus read it? What does she think? Uh, she hasn't read it yet. Um, you know, we got an advanced copy that was kind of a rough draft yeah. basically. So we could just get a look and feel of the book and the, and the, the, uh, the contents weren't quite finished up yet. So she's, uh, she's going to hold off and we got the books actually sh books were shipped to my home yesterday and I'm signing, I've signed already a bunch of them this morning. going to be finishing them off the rest of the day today. And then I'll be shipping those to guy Evans down in Florida. And then he's going to sign them and ship them off. So they'll, they'll reach everybody uh, this week, probably first part of next week at the latest, the autograph copies. And uh, Mrs. B will read one of those. Sure. A bunch of great reviews. Uh, Dean C gave it five stars and wrote, could not put it down. Uh, Ari wrote, uh, even better than his first book also gave it five stars. He says he, he finished it in two sittings. Uh, and Jeffrey gave it five stars and said it was, uh, something he finished in one sitting as well. So tons of five-star reviews. Everybody loves it. They can't put it down. It's a page turner because it's honest because it's real. And, uh, because it's about somebody that we feel like we know at this point, Eric Bischoff. And now that I've got all the niceties out of the way, <laughs> you ask, you've been looking forward to this. I know you have. Well, here's what happened. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I love my wife, Eric. That's fair to say. I think we all do. That's the thing. And unfortunately, as our anniversary rolled around, I had to go to Mexico for a little wrestling business. And so I was in Mexico for my actual anniversary. Yeah. That, that, and of go, course, that gets over big. So I sold it cause I'm a salesman, uh, as you know, and the way I sold it is I took the wife to our favorite beach house, which you've 
been to before with Laurie, I think earlier this year, last year, whatever. We had a blast. It's our favorite little getaway. There's nothing there. It's awesome. And I did that last week and in an effort to make it up to the wife, you know, missing the anniversary and all that, I thought this will be perfect. What I didn't think of is, Hey, is Eric going to be gone when I come back and we won't be able to record? Because the answer was yes. You wound up being in Atlanta this past weekend. And as such, you couldn't record. And, uh, I couldn't record during the week. So can't believe this happened. You got lucky. And Cassio kid sat in my seat and he busted your balls about the dungeon of doom. And I thought, well, that just, that just won't do Eric. You can't get off that easy. <laughs> so it's double header Jones over here. It's the worst gimmicks of WCW history. That's what we're talking about today. This could probably be a 17 parter. Uh, we're going to try to <laughs> as much as we can today, but before we talk about, you know, what I'm over here wringing my hands about just busting your balls. How was your experience last week with uh, our great close personal friend, Cassio? I love, you know, I love doing it. He just makes me laugh. I can walk into a room and make eye contact with Cassio. And within three minutes, for one reason or another, I'm busting out laughing. He's just a fun guy to be around. He's got a great sense of humor. And I think he's getting more and more comfortable, you know, filling in for you. He's doing a lot more of it. Yeah. And, I just had a blast. And I think, you know, look, the nature of the Dungeon of Doom, if you try to take it seriously and have a serious conversation about it, right off the bat, your show's going to suck because it's just not worthy of being taken too seriously. But we were still able to break it down, you know, I think in, in, in a way that at least helped people kind of understand why we did it. It still was silly, but there was like, often a reason behind it might not have been a good reason, but there was a reason. And, and it was just so much fun. The nature of that, the, the, the topic just lent itself to somebody with a great sense of humor like Cassio has, and it just made it so much more fun. Otherwise it would have been like dragging me around the back 40 at the back of a tractor. It would have been tough. It's uh, it's something I, I regret missing. I mean, I almost wish now if I would have remembered when you said, Hey man, I'm not going to be around to record when you get back. You think Cassio would stand in? And I agreed. Didn't even cross my mind. What was the topic? So when I saw it was the dungeon of doom, I was just, oh man, I've been looking forward to this for years. So you, so here's what you did. You go, oh, I'll fix Eric. I'm going to call Derek Sabato. And Correct. I'm going to say, dig up every bullshit gimmick that's ever been done in WCW. And I'm going to flail away at Bischoff when I get back. That's what you did. Here's the thing. I know Cassio. He's a youngster. He was trying to have fun with it. We need somebody to hoot and holler at your ass. And I was, I was jonesing for it. I've been on good behavior for most of this year. And now by God, I get my chance. I'm fired up. We're talking about the worst gimmicks in WCW history. Of course, maybe one of the worst gimmicks in WCW history happened before you were there. So it's not necessarily your fault. I can't hit you with the old. Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't there, it wasn't my fault. You know, we can, we can agree on that right off the bat. We're in agreement. We I am curious. You've admitted that you weren't always consuming wrestling, but in 1990, as you're yet to become a C squad announcer, uh, for WCW, are you, as you're winding things up with Vern paying any attention to WCW zero, I couldn't get it. I didn't have, I didn't have TBS on my cable. At that, at that point in time, 
and we didn't get it in syndication. So I didn't, I didn't know anything about WCW till I got there. What did you, uh, what did you think of the black scorpion angle as you've learned about it since? Look, it's really easy to, to make fun of things and be critical of things that are 30 years old. Right. I mean, it just is, um, it was a bad idea. Even in 1990, it was a bad idea, but it wasn't as bad of an idea in 1990 as it is in 2022. You know what I mean? It's just things have changed so much. I mean, I, you know, last night I couldn't go to sleep for some reason, and I was just, you know, surfing. I didn't want to watch the things I normally watch. Just you know, I, was, I needed something to make me laugh or something positive, and I didn't want to watch the news. I'm tired of the news and all that crap. And I typically watch the History Channel or discovery or net geo, but I stumbled into the, I don't, I don't remember what the name of the cable outlet was something really obscure, but it was a, it, it was a series called wagon train. That was from the late fifties or early sixties. And believe it or not, I used to watch that show with my family when I was like a little kid. And I don't think I've seen an episode since probably went off the air in 62 or something like that. 63. Anyway, I'm, I'm watching this show and it was so freaking cornball. I mean, it was ridiculously bad. The acting was horrible. The writing was horrible. It's just everything about it was ridiculous. And it's kind of like the same thing. You know, if, if you sit down with Tyler Sheridan, who is the writer for Yellowstone in 1883 and 1923s coming out with another prequel to Yellowstone or already has um, it's like sitting down with Tyler Sheridan or, or Kevin Costner and kind of comparing today's Westerns to the wagon train from the early 60s. You know, everything has evolved, and I'm trying really hard not to make fun of it because I don't want to, um, because I know you're going to be making fun of me, and I'm going to have to defend myself, and I don't want to be making fun of somebody else. But it it was a bad idea that's even worse from today's perspective. It's uh... – I don't know. It's amazing. I, I just love the idea that we, uh, we get to sit here and, and beat up some of these really, really bad ideas. This one, you know, the black scorpion, as I understand it was we needed an idea that we could get Jim Hurd to green light. Only Anderson is tasked with hey, uh, come up with an idea that Jim Hurd will, will sign off on. So he writes down an idea. Doesn't like it. Gives him something else. Ah, we've done that. And then he just, as the legend goes, as I've heard it, he just wrote black scorpion and Jim heard went, Ooh, I like that. Let's do that. Now, granted, there's no one wrestling under the name black scorpion. There's not a mask. There's not a gimmick. There's not a look. He just wrote it down and made it up <laughs> and it got greenlit. And so now that we've gotten it approved now, it's like, what is this going to be? <laughs> and now we don't really know. What does he sound like? I don't know. Let's just do a bunch of magic bullshit. Well, who's going to do it? I don't know. So they put a bunch of different guys in the gimmicks and only Anderson, the guy who came up with the idea sits backstage and does a voice and that's it. And then we do these silly magic stunts. And I guess it was maybe once upon a time, supposed to be Al Perez. Al thinks this could end his career. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, didn't do it. And we know what he went on to do. 
but either way it becomes, well, we need somebody else to do it. And who can give Sting a good match? Like he always has. We'll get Ric Flair to do it. As soon as Ric Flair comes out and you see the, the beak, I think is the Arn Anderson term <laughs> underneath the mask, you know, well, that's Ric Flair and ta-da, the black scorpion is here, a harebrained idea, but it did good ratings. It got a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that all of these are bad ideas, but that gimmick, that execution, this angle, this presentation is perhaps the most ready shoot aim I've ever seen or heard of. Well, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into some other words here on this episode, but I don't know. What about the, what, what was the humpbacks, the humperdinks? No, not well, humperdinks. Before we talk about the hunchbacks, let's talk about your favorite. And I know you love talking about the ding-dongs. They debuted again, right before you're there, but this is another Jim Hurd initiative where he signs off on it. They're going to come out <laughs> to the ring with body suits on. They're going to have bells all over their body. They're going to have bells in the corner. The ding-dongs. You know what, Conrad? Had I seen that, if I would have had cable... As desperately as I needed the gig in WCW back in 1990 or 91, whenever it was, if I'd have seen that, I might've just said, screw it. You know, I'll I'll go back to selling meat, whatever. I can't do it, but I I didn't see it. Thank God I didn't see it because I might've changed my mind. That's not true. I wouldn't have changed my mind. I'd have gone anyway. Listen, as the legend goes, I think people would say, well, Jim Hurd was trying to, you know, have an initiative to compete with, uh, with WWE with regards to the kids. And when we interviewed Jim Hurd a couple of years ago, he was honest about it. And he said, they had the kids. We needed to find a way to not just cater to adults, uh, and especially adult men, but we needed the kids. They had the ability to do lunch boxes and sleeping bags and action figures and all that. And we needed in on that. So the idea is what do kids love? Stupid shit. <laughs> Here we go. There's the ding dongs. What? What? Um, they're it's the amazing, it, It's amazing that they didn't get sued by Little Debbie. Didn't doesn't Little Debbie have a a, a little cupcake gimmick called Ding Dongs or Hostess or somebody? You know what? I don't even know for sure. Ding dong cupcake. I'll be damned. There it is. Turns out I like ding dongs. <laughs> I didn't know that's what they were called. I think they're called something else here in uh, Alabama, but yeah, it turns out uh, I'm a big fan of ding dogs. <laughs> so Jim Hurt. When I was a kid, uh, my mom taught me that word meant something else. So <laughs> it's just a little crazy. Jim Cornette had to, had to describe this uh, gimmick for us uh, that they put on Greg Evans and Richard Sartain. Uh, previously, they were the rock and roll rebels. Now they're the freaking dig ding dongs. Jim. Can you imagine how those guys felt when they showed up to TV one day said, okay, we're going to, here's what we're going to do guys. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Sit out, sit out. It's going to take a minute to explain this to you. I know you guys have been rolling with this rock and roll rebel thing and it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good, but we've got something that's great. Now these two guys, I don't know them. Um, but they were probably sitting there with bated breath going, oh, man, this is our big break. Turner Broadcasting, WCW, this is awesome. 
Here's what you're going to be, guys. Ready? Ding-dongs. You're going to be the ding-dongs. And we're going to have bells everywhere. When you come out, you're going to ring bells. Bells. Bells are your gimmick. You're the ding-dongs. Can you imagine? No. No. (laughs) These two poor bastards are looking at each other going, wait a minute, I need this 75 bucks a night. How about you? (laughs) Let's pretend we dig it. Jim Cornette had this to say to show you how much this guy was in touch with the wrestling business. His idea was let's have a tag team with bells on their neck, bells on their ankle, bells everywhere. We'll have them come out with a big bell. Whenever one of them's getting beat up, the other will ring the bell and he'll get fired up. The kids will love it. Listen, I understand how much fun we're having making fun of this name and concept and execution, et cetera, et cetera. You do have to try weird shit to get the kids involved. I mean, as a kid, I thought the million dollar belt was the coolest thing ever. As an adult, that was pretty fucking stupid. As a kid, Brutus, the barber beefcake, and this guy coming out with hedge clippers, and then he cuts the guy's hair after that was awesome. As an adult, that's pretty lame on and on and on. So I could see how, all right, for a certain age, maybe we do want to give the kids bells and blah, 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 but to put it into this presentation, which has been by and large, a product aimed at adults. The timing is just off. And I think we're going to talk about that a little later when we talk about Glacier, because I think we could argue, and we've said it many times here on the show, well, if Glacier came to WCW in 92, 93, 94, maybe even 95, it would have had a much better shot than it did in 96. Once you've got the, the reality based NWO angle. So when you've got people getting jumped in parking lots and all the craziness that Jim Crockett promotions and WCW did back in the day, that was more, it was less cartoony and more real deal wrestling. This is just out of place. Is it not? Yeah. And here's another, just another way to look at this. Um, you know, and, and Jim Hurd wasn't the only one. Look, I, you know, I loved working with Dusty Rhodes in many ways. <clears throat> I, I admire him creatively. Uh, he was one of the most creative people that I'd ever had a chance to work with <clears throat> in many, many ways. He wasn't perfect. He had, he had his flaws, but in terms of true creative, he really had an amazing imagination and vision and it was fun working with him. But Jim Hurd, Dusty Rhodes, whoever was in between, um, particularly Jim Hurd, when you look at the TBS footprint, because keep in mind, this is before Nitro on TNT. So TBS was the flagship show on Saturday nights. That audience was 55 up, 45, 55-year-old men. There were no very few teens and preteens watching that show. And that was, the, that was because of the nature of the TBS footprint. And if you go back and look at a lot of the programming that was on TBS at that time, it was reruns of Andy and Mayberry. You know, it was reruns of old Westerns and it was programming that was number one inexpensive because Ted was building out TBS at the time and, and he was programming the network with things that he could afford. Uh, And Ted believed that there was a value in some of that nostalgic program. And he turned out to be right. Classic Turner classic movies is an extension of that strategy. Right. Right. But the footprint for TBS was, 45, 50, 55 plus. 
and because of the types of program that wrestling was adjacent to. Now, sports, you know, the, the Braves was, you know, something that did bring a younger audience. But baseball is never, you know, kids don't generally watch baseball on television. So even the, the Braves tended to bring in a much older audience. So Jim Hurd, and to a degree, Dusty and, and others, and, and by the way, myself, um, even eventually when I got there, we were still serving or trying to serve, I should say, trying to serve an audience that just wasn't watching our show. You know, WWE did a great job of marketing to kids and, 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 and had been doing so for a long time. And the characters and the execution of the characters and the production values, all of that added to the interest in a much younger demo, kids, teens and preteens, in that particular presentation. Well, TBS didn't have that. TBS didn't have the production value and, 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 and the look and the feel and the execution. They did a bad job. Ding dongs are an example. And there'll be a host of others. They did a very bad job of trying to appeal to a demo that didn't even exist on that network. And the, the audience did exist that did exist was looking at that and going, well, why am I watching this? And not to get too far ahead, but when I took over WCW, and this is why this kind of resonates with me a lot, is I I knew based on what I had seen done previously in WCW that we could not appeal to kids the same way WWE. They had too big of a foothold. They owned that audience, and there was nothing we were going to be able to do with a limited budget and, and no strategy, really, other than you know creative, silly ideas. There was no strategy to take that audience away from WWE. So when Nitro came along, and I knew that it's basically my career on the line, um, there was a lot at stake, I knew it would have been a mistake to try to do what WWE was so, so good at and had been by that time for a long time. And I looked at the audience and I go, okay, well, there's not any advertisers that are too interested in 55 plus, but nobody's touching 18 to 49 year old men. Right. And that was the vacancy. Nobody was serving that customer or in this case, those customers. And by default, that's why we went to the more reality base in the NWO. And, but as I'm sure you're going to remind me, because you're really fucking good at it, there was a lot of other things that I was still trying to do to try to serve that audience, and it it, it didn't work. You know, you've got to got to kind of pick your audience and, and commit to it, and learn that the hard way. Well, I'll tell you what we're talking about hard, and we're talking about ding dongs. You know what we're talking about. <laughs> That's exactly right. We're talking about Manscaped. You recognize that? That's the ding dong theme. They had a theme. You're going to have a theme. A clean wiener this holiday season. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert. With the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. They are indeed the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. They've blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. We talked about it last week. I double-dog dare you. Bring this up at Thanksgiving. Do it. Talk about it. 
Tell your in-laws about your new cutting edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the promo code 83 weeks for free shipping and 20% off. Think that holiday spread is good over at your house. Well, it's time to give thanks for that manscaped performance package 4.0, or as I like to call it the perfect package for your package. You'll get the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, the performance boxer briefs, a travel bag. It's a cornucopia for your ball bag, son. They got cutting edge ceramic blade technology. We're going to reduce those accidents. Thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. You ever seen your sack under a 4,000 K led spotlight? You can with this gimmick. <laughs> I mean, you can even shave wet or dry. You ever shave your hog in a hot tub? Well, you can. I don't know why you would, but you could. And the weed whacker, I love it. It's 9,000 RPM, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Going to get rid of all those hairs in your holes. That crop preserver ball deodorant, buddy, it got Tony Schiavone his job. It, the crop reviver toner spray, it gave Eric Bischoff the guts to write the grateful book. This is the secret sauce, guys. And how about the old shower products? They got a body wash. They got a body buffer. Clean your dirty ass gimmicks up, y'all. They got a new signature deodorant. A couple of swipes, you'll be feeling oh so crisp. Gifting Manscaped is the ultimate hack to become the family favorite. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 83 weeks at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code 83 weeks. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls. Well, thank you. How about that? I think that might go down as one of my favorite reads of all time, which I think I say that every time you do a read at least once a week, I'm going, okay, that's, that one's the best one I've heard yet, but that one might be, and it's maybe because of the ding dong music. I don't know. The ding dong music is a winner every time. Uh, let's talk about another great idea. Uh, maybe not so much. Arachnaman. Now we've all talked about Brad Armstrong and what a great wrestler he was, but look at this. Would you look at that? Wow. That's Jack leg Spider-Man. What are we doing? Why do I keep hearing about Glacier when Arachnaman is out there in the universe? Because nobody Arachnaman is dumber than Glacier. I'm not arguing that. Maybe because I didn't spend it. Maybe because as much money wasn't spent on Arachnaman as was spent on Glacier. Well, there's that. There's that. But let me say this too. Not as many people were watching. No. So, you know, if you... Let's say you and I go down to one of my favorite watering holes where you and I know the right time of day to go on the right day of the week, you can pretty much have the place to yourself and there's nobody in there. But then there's other places where, you know, boy, if you go here around so-and-so time, there's going to be a wait. Well, if you and I were going to get drunk as a skunk and fall off a bar stool, I'd rather do it with no witnesses <laughs> rather than in the big lunch rush or dinner rush. Can I, can I just tell you, Conrad? Anytime you start talking about being in a bar and witnesses, I get nervous. Yeah. I just do. <laughs> I get it. If you know, you know. If you don't, use your imagination. Uh, 1991 is when we see Arachnaman. And, you know, listen, I understand the idea we're trying to appeal to kids. I really do. 
but that's a jack leg spider-man that we just saw is it not that would be as as the gimmick attorney and our good friend michael dawkins would say is damn that's that's confusingly similar that's that's a basis for a lawsuit right there i want to remind everybody that it's not just about spider-man as crazy as it sounds arachnophobia came out in 1990 it was a horror slash comedy movie made 53 million bucks at the box office um you had uh, jeff daniels in it john goodman in it i mean there's some stars in it but that came out in 1990 so a year later well everybody's talking about arachna because of that movie, let's do arachnophobia. And listen, a lot of good ideas are based off of shit we've seen on TV. Like Razor Ramon was doing Scarface cosplay. Glacier has to be loosely based on Mortal Kombat, et cetera, et cetera. Loosely, my ass. Okay, there you go. Copy that shit. <laughs> but arachnophobia? That's a poor man's. That's a poor man's ripoff. But I'm really surprised. And to your point, though, about nobody watching, it's kind of like when Paul Heyman um, used to use just unlicensed music, like top 40 shit. You know, he'd just use it. He he didn't care who owned it. Right. Publishing rights, who needs that? And he's doing it on television. Now, he was able to get away with it because he was under the radar, right? Right. Nobody knew about it. So you could get away with it. But I think that's probably only one of the reasons why Arachnaman didn't get hit because had WCW in 1998 tried something like that, 97, I, I don't know who spider, who owns Spider-Man. I'm guessing it's Marvel um, or someone like Marvel. Um, we would have been just cease and desisted all day long. No doubt. I love that. Cease and desisted all day long. Uh, well, listen, it's not to say that he's not a talented performer, but Brad Armstrong, Lord bless him. You made him BA once upon a time. He was a Ragnar man. Once upon a time, he was the goddamn candy man. I didn't do any of that. I'm just saying, boy, you, know, you said you, you literally threw a big fucking you out there. WCW. You I'm are. Not, I wasn't WCW then. I didn't even work there then. If I did, I, I didn't even know. <laughs> That happened in 91. You were there, but you weren't in control. You also weren't in control when Kevin Nash was really done no favors by WCW. He starts as a master blaster. Then he becomes Vinny Vegas. Somewhere in here, maybe even worse of all, Oz. Oz. That was like right at the end. And again, master blaster sounds like another title to something you'd find on Pornhub. Um, and I would imagine Kevin probably got into that for a minute, <clears throat> the gimmick name, but Oz was, I came in at the tail end of Oz, I think. Yeah. Right at the very end of Oz's existence. And that was, it was pretty weird, dude. Pretty weird. That's amazing. Uh, Oz is, uh, as it's been discussed before. A geographic location. It's not a person. He's not the Wizard of Oz, but it's just Oz. And I, again, I understand how this comes to be in that this is definitely when Ted Turner had invested pretty heavily in buying the rights to these old movies. He wants to colorize them and bring them to his stations and channels and 
boy, that makes a lot of sense. Whether it's Gone with the Wind or um, Wizard of Oz, whatever. I totally get it. And so sometimes you do these activations. You know, we saw the silliness a few years ago where they had zombies kill the Miz. Well, God, I forgot about that. They had to deal with the walking dead. You, you had to do what you had to do. That was weird. We had, we had some silliness on AEW before where we had ghostbusters and the stay puff marshmallow man. And some of these ideas are better than others, but we're trying to, I mean, even like winter is coming. Like it's an HBO time Warner. Uh, we're cross promoting. I, I, I get it, but Lord knowing what Kevin Nash would go on to become, I don't know. Can, not- can you, can you, and now, you know, Kevin, you know, you've gotten to know him. Can you imagine what a crabby bastard he was back then when <laughs> Jim said, you're going to be the Oz character. No, Cause Kevin's never been shy about expressing his opinion. No, not even back then. I just can't imagine what was going through Kevin's head when they were laying that one out to him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, especially, and listen, this is something we don't talk about a lot, but, but it's just a function of, you know, things change. I don't know what you carried when you traveled this past weekend, Eric, but I assume it was a bag that had wheels that you could pull behind you. I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. That was not the case back then. Not because woe is me. We couldn't afford it. The shit didn't exist. So when Kevin goes on these long tours, especially like to Europe, he's got a fucking box of this bullshit, this heavy ass cape, that stupid mask, the dumb hat, plus his size 98 boots and regular clothes to wear. And there's no roller bags. So he's literally carrying shit through these international terminals. I can't imagine that was just not a fun existence no you know and kevin i i I met kevin when i first got to wcw and and he was there for a little while a couple months i think and then he ended up going to wwe so i did get you know i chatted with him got to know him a little bit looking for a great mother's day or father's day gift idea i was and i found it at paint your life with paint your life you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget and it's a great gift idea for your mother your father or both You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a -a one-of-a-kind, beautiful, hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word weeks to 87204. That's weeks to 87204. Text weeks to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. He's from Detroit. I'm from Detroit. We live pretty much in the same neighborhood, close to it. So we had that in common. And then he took off, but maybe Kevin was like a happy-go-lucky, easy-going dude all the way up until they saddled him with that gimmick and made him travel all over the world with that shit. And it just turned him sour. Maybe that's it. I just, uh, I can't imagine. And, and to know he's going to become diesel. He's going to become one of the, the OGs of the NWO. And, but yeah, here he is. And, and before there was master P in WCW or John Cena rapping in the WWE, there was P in news. A 400 pounder trying to get a push. 
before he accidentally hurts Dave Sheldon. He was wrestling as the angel of death. He splashed him on his knees instead of his torso cost him a year in the ring. My goodness. P and news, by the way, besides being a great Halloween costume idea for me or Dave Silva next year, <laughs> uh, what do you say to this? Listen, it's hip hop. It's starting to grow in the early nineties. I get it, but I, I don't know if this audience was ready for that or maybe it wasn't the right execution. What say you? No, I don't think it was about the execution. I just going back to what I said earlier. I just, the audience that that character would have appealed to was not watching TBS and the people that were watching the TBS couldn't stand that character. And I mean, that was the whole thing. I mean, with Oz, with the ding dongs, with humperbacks or humperdinks, whatever the hell they were, all hunchbacks, all that stuff was an effort to reach an audience that didn't exist on a network. And the other thing that I've learned, and again, over time, um, didn't come out of the shoot knowing this by any stretch, but if you want to appeal to teens and preteens, let's call preteens 10 to 12, right? So if you want to appeal to that teen preteen audience, you've got to skew your characters up. Now, PN News would be in that category of skewing up a little bit. You've got to have a character that that younger audience aspires to be. Not that that younger audience particularly enjoys in a comic book or something currently. You've got to, your characters have to be aspirational in order for them to be to attract the audience you want. And I think the mistake <clears throat> that a lot of people in television made in wrestling back, back then outside of WWE, because they dominated the market was characters that were just, they were, they were, they were trying to appeal to an eight year old mentality with a character that even eight year olds weren't interested in. Right. It's like, what What do a bunch of 45-year-old executives think kids are really interested in? Oh, eight-year-old kids, they love this. They love this movie. Let's do that character. Whereas you really want to skew the character four, five, six years older than the audience that you're targeting because typically the audience will it'll skew up. Again, aspirational type characters. Well, I don't know how aspirational he was, but Van Hammer, man, what a dude, what a look. Uh, I could totally see, especially in this era, why folks would think, man, this will get over. Uh, we can do something with this, but it just didn't hit. Uh, and maybe it's because as Bruce likes to say sometimes on his show, and then the bell rang, there's a famous story of Arn Anderson telling a story about how Van Hammer Walks into the locker room, big, tall, tan, jacked up, got the perm like he likes it, got the guitar around his neck. Don't worry, guys. I'm here to save the company. I'm sure that went over like a turd in a punch bowl. Yeah, that's pretty much the end of your career in that company right then, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I could definitely see, though. Let's let's throw that picture back up there, Steve. I could definitely see if you take a look at this cat. I mean, this could have been their ultimate warrior. Crazy hair, big, jacked up look. He's got the, the full, the cool flying V guitar. He's going to shoot pyro out of the end. Now I can't play the guitar worth a shit, which I think is almost a requirement. If you're going to carry a guitar to the ring, like honky tonk man or Jeff Jarrett or Van Hammer, you don't actually have to know how to play it. Uh, 
but apparently he didn't know how to wrestle either. And it just flopped, but I could see the vision. I could see, all right, we're trying to, the guy looks like an action figure and we're trying to appeal to new demographics and kids. And this looks cool, but it just didn't work. What say you? Well, no. And I think Bruce would be right with a comment like, and then the bell rang because no matter how good you look, you still have to go out there and perform. It doesn't mean you have to be a Eddie Guerrero, you know, or a Kurt Angle, but you can't go out and shit the bed. And because the audience will see through that instantly. And then to top it off, you know, you walk into the locker room, your first day in a job, you look around the room, especially you see guys like Aaron Anderson or Ric Flair, whoever was there at the time and say, don't worry guys, I'm here to save y'all. <clears throat> you not only do you kind of suck in the ring and you haven't really learned your craft yet, but you're not going to get a lot of help either. Right. You, nobody's going to go out of the way to try to help you or cover for you or make you look better than you are, because that can happen. You know, Ric Flair could go out and make anybody look good. You know, Arnie Anderson could go out there and make anybody look good if they wanted to, <laughs> right. if they didn't want to, I won't. You're going to look like a monkey trying to fuck a football out there. There's nothing anybody could do to help you or will do to help you. I, uh, I just love the Van Hammer opportunity. Like it feels like it could have been something maybe more so than the colossal Kongs did. No, we're not about to talk about blue chew here. (laughs) This is, uh, crazy. They're managed by Harley race. And they even headline a clash of the champions against Ric Flair and sting. How does this even happen? Dude, what year was this, bro? I don't even remember this. Colossal Kings doesn't ring a bell to you at all. Or did you no. just block out all the painful shit? Is that the deal? No, I don't remember that one. Oh, that must've happened before I got there. Oh, listen to you. You just, is this the deal? You're just going to fade the heat all day long. No, listen, if I was there, I would, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been in charge of anything. I'd sit here and make fun of it all day long if I didn't do it. But it's I, August just, of I, just remember, I just don't remember seeing it. Daytona beach, August of 93. Really? Yeah. This is right on your watch, daddy. The huh. Kings. It's awesome. Kong and crusher Kong couple of six foot four boys, 850 pounds between them debuted in 91 disbanded in 93. They had a little fun in the USWA and WCW, but man, talk about a bad idea. They even won worst tag team of the year in 1993, which who was booking in 93. That would have been dusty flair, dusty, flair, dusty, dusty. I think. Black yeah, I, don't think Flair, I don't think I don't think Flair got involved in creative um officially until after ninety-four. So or in ninety-four. So yeah, that would have been under Dusty's watch. Well, he was in before with Hurd, and that's when he quit. Uh oh. quit the with the booking committee and then quit the promotion. Somebody else who didn't quit, and maybe they should have. Oh, Black Blood. Black Blood, easy for me to say. Billy Jack Haynes, as he's more well known. <laughs> and then you see to the left there, that's Big Josh. Uh, which, uh, of, of course we know is Mr. Bourne, the former or the future doink. And listen, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for bad ideas, that guy would have none at all. Matt Osborne, uh, is his real name. Of course, doink, my goodness. Uh, um, he'll, he'll, he'll 
forever be known as Doink. No matter what he did before or what he did after, he'll always be remembered as Doink. But still, a lumberjack, man, they had him walking fucking bears to the ring as a lumberjack, like the brawny man. Like, is somebody just going through the grocery aisle and they're like, we don't have him in the flannel there. But I mean, he came to the ring in flannel and a fucking hat. And there was even a show where he walked a couple of actual live bears, not like stuffed teddy bears, not like the kind of bears that some of our friends like, but like real deal (laughs) out of the fucking wilderness bears, or maybe the circus, whatever. The point is, what you know what he reminded me of when i saw him the first time when he came down in his flannel and with the hat on and all that scott norton had a gimmick in the awa when he and i were there together in 80 say 88 or 89 look at that scott norton was Vern wanted to call him flapjack norton because he could out eat anybody in the world he was a world pancake eating champion because that's what lumberjacks do. They eat a fuck ton full of pancakes, right? They don't have scrambled eggs or bacon or anything like that for breakfast. They eat big, giant stacks of flapjacks. So Scott Norton's gimmick was Flapjack Norton. And Scott would come in a big, deep, bear, bear voice, you know. And he was huge. He'd have on his flannel shirt and his little hat and carry an axe. Flapjack Norton. And that's who Matt Bourne reminded me of when he was whatever he was. And as if that's not enough, black blood, he, his gimmick, I guess is no, he's not lucky enough to be the fucking lumberjack. He is a masked executioner from France. <laughs> no wonder Rick quit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, what are we doing? A masked executioner from France. I, do don't they, know. I, I mean, how do, where does that even develop? Like they, do, I mean, I don't even know if they execute people in France anymore. You got a big jack. Well, clearly he's off with their heads. I I mean, I I, I don't know, but look at this. And you can't deliver on that promise. You know, that's the thing about a character is if you've got a tagline, if you've got something that you're known for, you have to deliver on that. You know, you can think of all kinds of taglines that commercial businesses use that defines what your expectations should be for their service or their product. Now you got a guy coming out saying off with their heads and he's got an axe. He ain't cutting anybody's head off, dude. Nobody's buying your bullshit. Yeah. Silly. Just silly. Well, and listen, here's the thing too. You talk about a big old jacked up dude. I mean, this is a six foot three, 250 pound bodybuilder. And he's had WWF experience. I mean, he was there during the heyday, I think 86 to 88. Um, but he's not from France. He's from Oregon and he's not going to cut your head off. It's, I don't know. Uh, It's a little less than Norman, the lunatic. There's another one that you can take credit for you. Some bitch. Look at this guy. Look at that guy. Is that me? After uh, No Shave November, what, what do we do? That's <laughs> you without Manscaped. <laughs> and the idea is he's considered nuts. This is uh, He's played by Mike Shaw. Teddy Long has allegedly saved him from an insane asylum. He's leading him around with a giant key. And what's crazy is this isn't even his worst gimmick. He was also Bastion Booger in the WWF. Boy, I know they say timing is everything, but luck is not just for people who win the Powerball. It's for people who don't wind up with shit like this. What in the world? And and in your research, does it tell you when, uh, what was the character's name in WCW? Norman, Norman the lunatic. 
what year was that that had to be 90 91 92 right I, I love that you're just playing ignorant to all you've blocked out all the painful memories well you got to remember conrad in the early part of 91 92 i was i'd fly in on sunday night to atlanta if we had tv that particular week i'd go do tv go back to atlanta after tv do color and play-by-play in a booth with uh, Diamond Dallas Page or whomever. And then I'd be on my way to the airport to go back to Minnesota. So th- there was just a lot I didn't see. Right. Um, I didn't go. I, originally, I didn't. I wasn't even involved in WCW Saturday night uh, initially when I first started there. So there was a lot of things that I either didn't see or did see and put out of my mind. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, to your point, he is only around from 89 to 91. Uh, then he's going to go to uh, Global and then pop up in the WWF as Bastion Booger. My goodness. Uh, but as if that's not enough, we've got more unbelievably bad ideas, including maybe the most epic fail in WCW or even wrestling history. The Shockmaster. Poor Uncle Fred comes bursting through the set on a flare for the gold. He goes, as they like to say, ass over tea kettle. His helmet falls off. And just like with the great success we had with the Black Scorpion, we got Ole Anderson in the back talking into a microphone with his goofy voice. But there's the uh, the former tugboat, the former typhoon, just sprawled out on the fucking ground on live TV. That was bad. I felt bad. <laughs> I feel so bad for him because can you imagine, like, You've just been at WrestleMania and SummerSlam and the Royal Rumble, and you've been in in the big leagues, man. And now, all right, we've got a this. We're on live TV, man. I'm in a segment with Ric Flair and Sting and the British Bulldog. Like this is going to be huge. And then I show up, and they've got a. Lane I'm going to wear a bucket on my head and fall through a wall. <laughs> they got a Lane Bryant fur coat that they cut the sleeves off of. <laughs> And and they went down to Toys R Us and brought a fucking stormtrooper helmet and then stopped by Hobby Lobby and dipped it in glitter. <laughs> and I'm going to convince myself this is cool. And we're going to do a big walkthrough. And then they're going to rebuild the set to make sure that it looks good for TV, but we've already practiced it. But I guess the buffoons who rebuilt the thing said, well, it would be more sturdy if we just put this two by four about knee shin high down he goes any future opportunity he had of making a big splash in wcw being a top guy getting a push regaining some of that glory from yesteryear from the wwe it just fucking it was gone was it not it was and i i didn't know fred very well again that was still fairly obscure within WCW and he wasn't somebody that I worked with, you know, as an announcer, but I, you know, I was, I felt bad for him. You know, he's related to dusty. Um, I think what was he, he was dusty's brother-in-law. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Could be wrong, whatever. So there, you know, there was that and, you know, all eyes are on you and to come crashing through that wall. And I mean, there was nobody that could keep a straight face. I mean, there were people that felt bad for him and, and, initial moment of it but five minutes later everybody's like oh my god you believe that shit. you know and you're right man you can't you can't make that go away 
It's going to last forever. And the only good news out of the whole thing is that Fred still does appearances with that helmet to this day. He did one for me. We, uh, we did a whole backdrop. You know, you've seen some of our themed backdrops at Starcast before. So it looks like an old TBS set or an old nitro set. We did a deal where it looks like you're bursting through the wall with him. So he was in his full Shockmaster outfit, and then there's the wall behind it. And it looks like you guys burst through together. Some of our fans were taking pictures with themselves laying on the ground. It's just, it's silly and it's fun. And, uh, I know we're not there yet, but when I think of silly and fun, I do think about your boy. I think about Glacier. And I think about how cold Glacier was. It was right? cold, cold, cold. Oh. Well, did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Brands bed sheets. Inspired by silver-infused fabrics made by NASA, Miracle Brand makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can actually sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. As if this isn't enough, these sheets that are infused with this natural silver prevent 99.9% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands. It also makes the perfect gift for your spouse, your friends, your family, who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets. And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one just in time for the holidays. It's also better for your skin. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets mean less bacteria to clog your pores and fewer breakouts and other skin problems. Go to trymiracle.com slash 83 weeks to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Save 40% and be sure to use our promo code 83 weeks at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. And Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle brand. Go to trymiracle.com slash 83 weeks and use the code 83 weeks to claim your free three priest towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash 83 weeks to treat yourself a friend or a loved one this holiday season. And we thank Miracle Brand for sponsoring today's episode. So let's talk about uh, as crazy as this is Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad became such a big, prominent part of WCW programming. He got a bigger guarantee going to the WWF from Vince McMahon than Stone Cold Steve Austin or Mick Foley. So it couldn't be all that bad. But when you take a look at that guy, you don't normally think, well, he probably is married to Sable and he's probably a Golden Gloves boxer and a motivational speaker. I don't know what I think, but I think this is a guy doing Little Richard cosplay. Not a legit badass, but he was. And unfortunately, I think we have to blame Dusty Rhodes for that one. Do we know it? Yeah, that was a Dusty Rhodes character for sure. But <clears throat> and it's easy to make fun of that because it was so silly, even at the time. But you got a hand at the Mark Merrow. Yeah. Mark 
And, and because he was a legit badass, and because this character was probably so antithetical to who, I've been dying to use that word antithetical on this podcast for a long time. I'm glad I could just sneak it in like that so subtly. But for a guy like Johnny B. Bad to play a character that is so opposite of who he really is, I admire people that can do that. You know, it's it's one thing, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin is out there being Steve, Steve Williams, essentially with the volume turned up a little bit. You know, he wasn't, th- th- that character of Stone Cold Steve Austin isn't that much different than a guy you sit and have a beer with. And, and, and Ric Flair is a lot like Ric Flair, the character. Richard Flair is a lot like Ric Flair, the character. In fact, I think there's sometimes that, probably has a hard time distinguishing between the two. But when you're a guy like Johnny B. Bad, who grew up on the East Coast, he's gold gloves boxer, and now we're going to ask him to, and not only did he do it, he did it really well. He did that effeminate character, um, that that, uh, little Richard character. He did it really, really well. It didn't resonate with the audience, but it's not because of Mark Merrill. Happy holidays, everybody. This is Jason Sensation, and I had the utmost pleasure of sitting down with top guy members to tell my story of being the greatest wrestling impersonator of all time. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Check it out on ad-free shows right now. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Andre the Giant. You think you're going to end Hulkamania, man? Well, Hulkamania is going to run wild on you, man. And what you're going to do, brother, when Hulkamania and all the powers of Hulkamania run wild on you, brother? You, Elizabeth, you. And I started to do his impression to him, and he flipped out on me. He lost it. Man. Hey, man. Come here. <laughs> Let me hear a couple of those voices. Damn, like he's so cold. Oh, 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 man, that's damn good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you very much. Yes, Triple H, yes, I love it. Smackdown, yes. <laughs> you get out of the washroom now. You <laughs> combing your hair like your Lex Luger? Look at you, pretty boy. You think you're Luger? Come on. That was so much fun. I had a blast. I love ad-free shows. And if you want to watch the entire episode on demand, you can check it out on adfreeshows.com, along with so many of my favorites. Thunder and Lightning debuted in 1993. One of the That's guys not familiar. Yeah. One of the guys was Jeff Farmer, your boy, who's going to go on to be fake sting. My goodness. Thunder and look at these guys. What can you tell us about them? You remember as much as we do, huh? Not much. They didn't stick around long as Thunder and Lightning, <laughs> but it, but it did. It, I mean, I do remember it. I mean, I remember hearing it. Um, but I, I doubt that they were a thing for very long. Jeff Farmer, you know, stuck around for a long time. Jeff Farmer did really, really well for himself. He's a really smart guy. He's handled himself really well professionally. Saved his money. Made a lot of money over in Japan. The fake sting gimmick is something that he's probably still making money with over in Japan at some point. I wonder if we can get him Twitter verified with Elon. You think? 
Who? Um, Jeff Farmer is fake Sting. If anybody deserves to imitate Sting with a fake blue check mark, it's Jeff Farmer. Yeah, well, it, he just—you should just acknowledge that he's the fake Sting, and with a blue check mark, and then it's okay as long as you're not pretending to be somebody else and you acknowledge really? that it's your 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 parody account, then it's cool. But he's not a parody account. He was Sting. He was a fake Sting. You didn't call him fake Sting on Nitro. No, because I wanted the audience. I I I, I, I was the heel. I wouldn't want everybody to believe he was the real sting, although I knew he was the fake sting. My motivation was to con everybody, and and hopefully people would think. And by the way, there were a number of times when the fake sting did fake out the audience, which was really cool shit. Oh, dude, the first time I saw it, I mean, right before you guys did uh, Fall Brawl 1996, I was like, <gasps> and then, of course, you get the payoff when you actually see him up close at the pay-per-view, and then the real sting beats him up. It was just it's great stuff, man. Great stuff. Had them for a minute. We had we had the audience in the palm of our hand for a brief moment. Since we are talking about bad gimmicks, it wasn't necessarily a WCW gimmick, but I want to bring it up because boy, he's been getting a lot of criticism lately. Tyrus won the NWA world title a couple weekends ago. And he won it in a three-way in New Orleans, uh, fresh off of Nick Aldis saying that he was no longer going to be a part of the promotion. It was a three-way with Trevor Murdoch and Matt Cardona and Tyrus became the new champ. And of course he had some rather regrettable gimmicks in the WWE, the Funkasaurus, I think was his name. Anyway, uh, boy, people are just all over this decision and dumping on him and the NWA. And I kind of, I don't get it. Why? What do you mean? Why, why, why are people, why are people upset? That's what I, I can't put my finger on. Like. Because I've seen a lot of people who say, well, it's a shame to go from Luthez to Jack Briscoe to Dory and, and Terry and, and Harley and Flair. And now this, well, are we forgetting that other people had it for the last 30 years? Cause you kind of skipped over a whole bunch of folks. And I don't know, like to me, it feels as if, and I'm not trying to have a political conversation, but it feels as if a lot of the pushback is because he's on Fox news. Nobody's saying that, but I'm saying when that belt went down and of course, Shane Douglas threw it down in 94, the guys who held it after him were Chris Candido, Dan Severn, uh, Gary Steele, Mike Rapata, Sabu, Steve Carano, Carino, easy for me to say, Shinya Hashimoto, Ken Shamrock. Then we, we started into the whole, um, NWA TNA stuff. But then after it's done with TNA, it's. Adam Pierce and Brent Albright and blue demon jr. And Colt Cabana and the Sheik and Cahagas and Rob Conway and Kojima and Tenzon and Jack Stane and Tim storm. And these aren't all former WrestleMania main eventers is what I'm trying to say. These aren't yeah. all Harley race, Ric Flair, dusty Rhodes names. He's got, he being Billy Corgan owner of the NWA. He's got to try to make some new guys. And a lot of people questioned it when Trevor Murdoch won it or when Matt Cardona won it and they did great. I mean, they did fine. Whatever you want to say. I mean, they didn't set the business on fire, but they were more than passable NWA world champions. And now you got this giant and by independent wrestling standards, he is, I think he's like six foot seven, like almost 400 pounds. He's a big boy. 
And now you can maybe tell some stories, but like, he's got to try some new things, but for people to come out and be so visceral about this is the worst. I hate it. This is an embarrassment based on what, from where is it politically charged? Do you think? I think it's, there's probably a couple things going on. And I certainly think that the, the political uh, aspect of it is probably the predominant reason why people are so vocal. Um, I also think, you know, the, the unfortunate circumstances, and I don't know any of the details, very few of them, barely read any of the headlines. Um, but obviously Nick and Billy left on a sour note yes, uh, or a tough note. So I think that, you know, that, uh, tension that exists backstage and people being upset that Nick Aldis is gone. Billy's got to be a little bit careful how he deals with his public. You know, he's, he's a bit of an eccentric guy uh, and I like Billy, you know, I've, I had, I've had lunch with uh, he and his wife um, in Chicago, not, not all that long ago, a couple of years ago. Um, but you've got to be a little bit careful, but I do think, Look, and Tyrus will, you know, he's on, he's a big part of the number one late night comedy show Monday through Friday. I mean, they're beating Kimmel and, and Tyrus is a big part of that show. And he comes out with his belt, you know, you watch him on Fox news and he comes out in a very serious segment and he's got the belt and he puts it on the desk right in front of him. If you're Billy Corgan or anybody else, are you not going to take advantage of that? Even if it does stir some people up, because guess what? controversy creates cash. You stir them up enough and people are going to tune in to see what happens next. I, I don't think, I don't think people are turning away from the product. I think people just like the bitch. There's some haters out there. And I think the fact that Tyrus is a part of Fox and is not only part of Fox, but a, a big part of a, a late night comedy show that gets greater ratings than anybody else in late night comedy probably adds to that. Right. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, uh, I don't watch Fox news. I don't, I don't, I know he's on the show or he's on a show, but I don't know which one, uh, I'm not gut filled. There you it's go. Great okay. show. Funny show. Funny, I, hear it does, funny. I hear it does well. And I know it's a big opportunity for more exposure for them as a brand. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I always err on the side of, Hey, let's, let's try to just fucking let it play out. Let's see what happens. And I guess that's where I'm leaning to on this, but to see that this guy's just being really attacked, uh, like personally, it's like based on what it's and, too and, bad too. Cause he's, I don't know if you've met Terrace or not. I don't think I have I've had several conversations with him and he's, he's a nice, he's a good guy. He's a good human being. He's a good person. Well, I just know that, uh, you know, he, he had a, a run with WWE. He's on Fox news, which is whether you're a fan of that station or not a big cable outlet. And when I saw the response, I thought, I mean, I don't know that I would have done it. I don't know what I would have done. Uh, I don't think it's an enviable task to, you know, try to run any organization and deal with all that criticism, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and I don't know all the contractual status of everybody or any of that jazz. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't have all the information. But what I do know is we kind of got to try it before we shit on it. Or I think maybe, maybe I'm wrong. No, I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that's uh, unfortunately, I think, and I've, look, I've been guilty of this too. I've, I've fallen into the trap. Um, you gotta just let things play out before you start criticizing them too much. Yeah. You may not like something right away, but, and I always use the analogy when I 
talk to people about creative. There's been a number of times when some of my favorite series, like when they first start premiere episode, I watch that first episode. I'm thinking, eh, not interested. Yeah. But I'll watch it again. I'll watch the second episode. And by the third episode, things start coming together. And then you start really getting to the story and the characters because it, t- it takes a while to establish a character. And, and while Tyrus has been around for a little while, let's see what creative does with him before you start putting him on a grill. Yeah. And, and I think that's good advice. I mean, you and I both enjoyed animal kingdom. Uh, you had talked about it to me for a couple of years and I tried a couple episodes and just couldn't get into it. And then you know, when I saw everybody buzzing about the series finale or whatever, I decided, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. And once I actually played it through, man, it was awesome. I had the same experience with breaking bad. I was kind of just, eh, same uh, anarchy, same thing. But then once it got going, I was like, oh, well this, this is freaking great. And I'm not saying that's what this will be, but the response I saw online that I didn't think was fair is that so many people came out so hard against Tyrus winning. It was like, this many people even watch the program? No. Like, like, are you watching the program? Or are you just shitting on something that you, you heard about or read about? And I just thought that's really not fair. Like before I just dunk on something, I think I should at least, you know, try it. And I just, I, I don't think he's been given a fair shot. And again, I don't know him. I'm not advocating for him. He could be a good guy. He could be a bad guy. I don't know. Uh, and, and I don't really know Billy Corgan that, not that well. I, I've met him a few times, had a few conversations, seems nice enough to me. And, Man, he's putting his money where his mouth is as a wrestling fan and creating a lot of jobs and opportunities for a lot of folks. And I just feel like when everybody came out so hard against it, it's like, do you even watch? I have to admit, I don't watch the program all the time. I recently watched a couple of shows. They were fine, but I think I would want to see it before I shit on it. I have no problem shitting on the boss though. You guys took the big boss man character and thought, all right, what can we do? that's going to feel boss man like but won't get us one of those cease and desist. Hmm? We'll take Ray trailer, the former big Bubba, the former big boss man, and we'll bring him in as the boss. So he's a guardian angel, but we're still calling him the boss, which is close enough. I guess. What the fuck? Yeah, that was on me. I was, I, I did that. <clears throat> and again, I had a reason, Curtis Sliwa. Yep. Who was really the head of the Guardian Angels. And the Guardian Angels, for people that don't know, was kind of, uh, they were a civilian group of people who were dedicated to the safety and security of the streets of New York. And they, they weren't vigilantes. They weren't like gangs. I mean, they were law-abiding citizens, they, they work closely with police, and city officials, government, um, but they were out there on the street. This is back at a time when New York was kind of like it is now, you know, pretty dangerous place. Um, and the Guardian Angel, and the, Curtis Lee, when the Guardian Angel still exists to this day. In fact, Curtis Lee, who I think ran for mayor of New York City um, in the last... Um, in the last primary election in New York for a mayor of New York. So Curtis Lee was still around, but at that time, man, they were in the news all the time. They were constantly in the news. And I thought, okay, I'm going to call Curtis. And I did. 
tracked him down and uh, said, hey, this is what we're thinking about. I think we even had Curtis Lee on the show to help launch the character. It seemed like a good idea. By the way, as crazy as it sounds, um, he was apparently making a big splash. We're talking about Mr. Curtis here as the leader of the, uh, the, the guardian angels. He's kidnapped and shot by Gotti's crew in 1992. So it is a, a high profile mainstream thing, but it's a little close to the big boss, man. Well, of course, know. of course. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to steal something, if you're going to rip something off, you got to at least try to make it look a little bit like it's an original idea. Not too much. Cause you don't want to throw people off. Sort of like when you get Scott Hall come out with a toothpick and a curl talking with an accent. That, that's bullshit. Scott Hall came out with a curl and a toothpick in WCW. I'm just busting balls, Eric. Okay. Uh, Jungle Jim Steele. He's a product of the WCW power plant. He sticks around for a year and then he goes to Japan for 11 years. Jungle Jim. What a great name. Who didn't, who didn't love the Jungle Jim as a kid? What do you remember about old Jungle Jim? That was a Sharon Sadello character sharon sadello vp of marketing came up with that idea no i'm just kidding i don't know i don't know who came up with that idea i do remember him though he's a nice guy um quiet very reserved in the back was not a outgoing guy or gregarious or loud or anything wasn't trying to attract too much attention to himself he was just uh he was just a hard worker with, with a decent look and a really really bad gimmick well, speaking of bad gimmicks, boy, our man, Barry Darso, he could have a whole category to himself. Let's walk through this silly shit. He debuts as an interrupter and is eventually arrested for attacking Dustin Rhodes. Colonel Robert Parker bails him out and names him blacktop bully. Mm. He gets fired when he and Dustin Rhodes both bleed on that King of the road match at uncensored. This is a match on the back of a moving pickup truck. Semi truck. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And then you bring him back in 1997. This old blacktop bully. Well, that won't get it. We got to come up with something cool. Something that'll get over something like Goldberg or the NWO, or, <laughs> you know, something fun. You're what setting if, me up. You set me up. <laughs> what if we called him Mr. Hole in one and we made him a golfer. And at one point we even call him Stuart Payne. Of pain to it. What, what we're doing here? What year was that? 97? 97. You oh, were so yeah. high on your own shit right then. You were like, I can get anything over. Watch this shit. Wow. We'll take a putt putt motherfucker and call him Stuart Payne. You know, I run into Barry about once or twice a year. Does he punch you in the dick for this? Nah, we're good friends. And actually, it's really interesting. And this probably doesn't matter to anybody, but me and maybe you for a second, but my wife went to high school with Barry. Oh, okay. My wife's best friend. Her name was Nicole dated Barry. That's how my wife knew of Barry. Barry's son ended up, I gave him, I I, get, I brought him into TNA and Barry's son is now doing um canine work he's a cop and he runs the canine i think it's in wisconsin or michigan maybe it's michigan 
Yeah, very active in law enforcement, super guy. Uh, he and Garrett ended up being really good friends. They worked together a little bit in TNA. So there's this, yeah, this little bit of a connection, connective tissue there with the Bischoffs and the Darsos going all the way back to the mid-70s, believe it or not, which is probably why I brought him back because I wanted to try something, you know. And, and Barry Darso, I don't, I don't want this to sound like, oh, I'm just giving him a job because he was a friend of mine. And it doesn't excuse the horrible gimmick because it was a horrible gimmick. I can't blame it on anybody else. I don't think I came up with it, but I sure let it happen. Um, but he was... Barry was a great worker. Barry could go. And I think, you know, bringing him in 97 was just my way of trying to add some depth to the roster with some characters we hadn't seen in a while that could deliver. And Barry could go. Horrible gimmick, though. My God. He lost to Goldberg on Nitro, March 9th, 1998. Again, on Thunder. Uh, But, man, being repackaged as Mr. Hole in One. (laughs) I need to find out. I mean, I want to find out who actually came up with the idea. I approved it. I, there's no way I can not take a hundred percent of the responsibility for letting it happen. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to fade the heat. To somebody else. Cause I know that's what everybody in the internet's going to want to say. Oh, Bishop, if you just want to take responsibility for anything. You can't remember anything. He only remembers the good stuff and takes credit for all those things that are good. And nothing is bad. Fuck all of you. I've heard that shit for too long and I'm grateful for it. So there, but I would like to know who, who, who went, Hey, psst. I got it. Mr. Hole in one. He's a golfer. I just would like to know. Maybe Barry I, came up with it. Next time no I see way, him, I'm going to no ask. He came up with this. Come on now. Huh? There's no way he came up with this. I don't know, man. Cause, cause Barry and Kurt Henning were tight, you know, Minnesota connection, Rick Rude, John Nord, Scott Norton, all those guys, Mike Enos, Wayne Bloom, Lunchmore, Road Warriors, they're all tight. They're all from the same high school, for crying out loud, or something in the freaking water. I don't know. But it could have been Kurt Henning's influence, could have been Kurt Henning's idea. You know, to kind of play off of some of the stuff that Kurt did in WWF. I don't know. I'm not putting it on anybody, but I would really like to know. So, Barry, if you're listening, you've got my number, buddy. Give me a shout. You know, here's the thing, too. The golfer gimmick is not the only time. I mean, Barry's not the only guy to do that. We also saw Chavo Guerrero Jr. play Kerwin White and drive a golf cart down to the ring. Maybe that's what Barry needed to really get over, a golf cart. (laughs) Could have worked. Golf cart could have been fun. So listen, uh, when Vince Russo takes over, he gets an amnesia gimmick. We're talking about Barry Darso. He goes through all the bad gimmicks weekly, and it might be one of the most fun things that Russo ever did in WCW. Uh, we also touched on in your Dungeon of Doom episode. There's Evad, uh, which is of course Dave Sullivan. It's Kevin. That was brother. pretty crazy. That was crazy though, right? That's, That's Kevin true. Sullivan. He's first introduced as the equalizer, then Dave, then Evad, the <laughs> dyslexic Hulkamaniac. <laughs> well, I wonder if we could get him verified on Twitter. Oh, okay. gosh, almighty. What were we thinking? <laughs> I mean, listen, on some level, you're just throwing shit against the wall and see what sticks, right? Yeah, 
There's no lying about that. Well, next up, it's your boy, the gambler, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Gann. Easy for me to say. Reasonably trained in the, uh, in the power plant. (laughs) Then he, uh, leaves WCW becomes the gambler on the Indies. He brings it back this gimmick and makes it part of his entrance where he comes out with a set of playing cards. Yep. That's another one though. If that give now, first of all, he had a really bad receding hairline at a young age. So I don't think there was any getting over. Um, and he wasn't necessarily a big guy, good, good wrestler, by the way, not knocking his, his ability. I'm just talking about the presentation at a time when larger than life characters were still still kind of the rule of the day. Um, the gambler just didn't have anything really going for him, but the gimmick had that gimmick been a WWE gimmick in the late eighties, early nineties, it would have gotten over. It's not the gimmick. It's the audience. You know, the WWE had that audience and that, that gimmick and the, and the gambler did a good job of executing it. And he paid attention to detail. He was consistent with it. Um, he embraced it. So I, I think the gimmick could have actually worked 10 years earlier well, well, in well, WWE. He did it on his own in the USWA in 92. And then he comes in the WCW in 95 and now he's the gambler here. And again, we, we made the, the correlation with movies a little earlier with Arachnaman and Brad Armstrong and Arachnophobia, but the gambler appears in WCW in 1995, just one year after Mel Gibson had that movie, the Maverick, which was all about, you know, old West, but also playing cards. So I could see how we're thinking some of this stuff might be topical, but unless he's going to use those cards, like Ninja throwing stars and cut people in half, I don't know. Uh, now a, a questionable one. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, we're talking about hard and we're talking about ding dongs. You know what we're talking about? <laughs> ah, that's exactly right. We're talking about manscaped. You recognize that? That's the ding dong thing. <laughs> they had a theme. You're going to have a theme, a clean wiener this holiday season. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert. With the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, they are indeed the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. They've blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. We talked about it last week. I double-dog dare you. Bring this up at Thanksgiving. Do it. Talk about it. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer. And gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the promo code 83 weeks for free shipping and 20% off. Think that holiday spread is good over at your house? Well, it's time to give thanks for that Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. You'll get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. The Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, a travel bag. It's a cornucopia for your ball bag, son. They got cutting-edge ceramic blade technology. We're going to reduce those accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. You ever seen your sack under a 4,000K LED spotlight? You can with this gimmick. (laughs) You can even shave wet or dry. You ever shave your hog in a hot tub? Well, you can. 
I don't know why you would, but you could. And the Weed Whacker, I love it. It's 9,000 RPM, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Going to get rid of all those hairs in your holes. That crop preserver ball deodorant, buddy, it got Tony Schiavone his job. It, the crop reviver toner spray, it gave Eric Bischoff the guts to write the Grateful book. This is the secret sauce, guys. And how about the old shower products? They got a body wash. They got a body buffer. Clean your dirty ass gimmicks up, y'all. They got a new signature deodorant. A couple of swipes, you'll be feeling oh so crisp. Gifting Manscaped is the ultimate hack to become the family favorite. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 83 weeks at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code 83 weeks. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls. Well, thank you. How about that? Listen, this one is a, a guilty pleasure of ours, and I'll, I don't think I'll ever tire of it. The American males, and listen, two model dudes, uh, Scotty Riggs and Buff Bagwell, and they have a great look. They're great in-ring performers, and they gave us this wonderful song. I mean, really listen to that. Doesn't that just get your blood going? I'm okay if we have some bad gimmicks, but it results in a great song. Like, listen to this. Just gets you, man, that it's building. You feel it. It's like a, it's like a corn song. It just keeps building and building and building. Then it explodes with this. Here we go. American males, American males, American males, American males. Uh, does Jimmy Hart hire yeah. a couple chipmunks for this? That's Jimmy Hart. Listen to this. Great lyric coming up. If they want to talk to you, you better not listen. You might wind up in critical condition. American males. <laughs> they wound up making the word listen rhyme with critical condition and i just i have to applaud the effort thank you so much for that my life would not have been complete today had i not been dragged through that song but you look at those characters now tell me that that's not heat oh of course it is that's the reason i'm I mean, saying every every guy in the arena wanted to beat the dog shit out of those two I think you were positioning them as baby faces. Really? Yeah. It's a wonder I didn't get fired sooner. (laughs) (laughs) You better listen or you'll wind up in critical condition. And then a little Jeff Jarrett cameo. (laughs) Those guys, American males, American men. What are they doing? By the way, Dave Silva and I, that's going to be our tag team name, the American Whales. Uh, so let's talk about somebody else. And boy, yes, please. Anybody but me. You're going to love this. Roadblock. He comes yeah, out rusty. with this gimmick on his shoulders, like there's doing construction behind him. I guess his biggest claim to fame in WCW is he got racked by Lex Luger on a Nitro. How in the world does this get greenlit? 
just Dusty saying we need a big old cap. No, I don't know if that was Dusty now that I think about it. I don't know if that was Dusty. Can't remember that one. Can't remember who 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 whose fingerprints are on that one. I'll take it since I can't remember by default. If it happened on Nitro, it's my fault or my to my credit. Either way. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's what going back to the you know when we first opened up the show, it's like oh, we still got to serve that teen preteen and still do some of the same stuff that worked in the you know late eighties, early nineties because there's still people that love that type of character or like that type of character, but that was bad. The idea was kind of fun, but it didn't live long. It looked like a roadblock, though. Oh, he was uh, to ratings. Uh, next up, we got the Mauler, Mike Enos. <laughs> He's uh, part of one of the more historic moments in WCW history. He's actually in the ring when Scott Hall comes down to start what would become the NWO invasion. But the Mauler, we're just we're just throwing shit together here, are we not? Yeah, I was. We were trying to find something for Mike. You know, Mike Mike was a pretty solid worker. You know, he, he was never going to be a main eventer or even a semi main eventer. But not everybody is, and you still need to fill two hours, sometimes three. So you're not going to have not everybody on your show is going to be, you know, a potential main eventer sometime in the next six months or a year. But Mike was dependable. He was professional. He was easy to work with and he could make people look good. You know, he was one of those guys you needed in the middle of your show to kind of help build the momentum in your show and, and help create some anticipation. Good guy. Good guy. We used to love working with him in AWA. He was horrible on the mic. Absolutely horrible on the mic. Um, but he was fun to work with. And I wasn't any better, by the way, in the AWA. I sucked as probably more than Mike did, which is saying that. <laughs> well, speaking of things that suck, we teased it. We've talked about it. Here it is. Blood runs cold. Of course, this is the gift that keeps on giving. We start with Glacier. Then we learn about Mortis. We learn about Wrath. And then finally, Ernest the Cat Miller. You know, listen, that was a cool look. It was maybe a few years too late, but you did have some capable performers. I mean, I thought Glacier was fine. I thought Mortis was criminally underrated. Wrath has been a star for a long, long time. And say what you want about Ernest the Cat Miller. The dude was entertaining. I'll say what I want about Ernest Cat Miller. He was phenomenal. Yeah, for, man. For someone to come in. Cold. Cold, like zero, not an interest in professional. I literally had to talk him into coming to work for me. Right. Like I met with him two or three times. My wife and I took him out to lunch. And I sat down and explained to him why I thought he would enjoy working in professional wrestling. And it took a minute to get him on board. And when he did, he went down to the power plant. He picked it up overnight. And to this day... I think Ernest Miller drips charisma and he's a phenomenal athlete. He's still competing as a black belt, believe it or not, the over 50 category. He is still a legit badass and can do things. And I don't know what he weighs now. I'm going to guess because he's a solid dude. I'm guessing he's 245, 255, and he can still move like a 170 pounder on his feet. He's fast, he hits hard, he's strong. And he was able to take all of the skills that he developed in martial arts to help him learn, technically learn wrestling. But the part that I think makes Ernest Miller stand out in my mind, aside from the fact that he's a good friend of mine, 
pretty obvious, huh? Is psychology wise, he picked it up faster than most. Like of all the people that we've talked about here, you know, other than a small handful, Ernest Miller picked up psychology and developed his character on a breakneck pace compared to the average performer. I, uh, I'm glad that we got Mortis an opportunity on TV and I'm glad that we were introduced to Ernest, the cat Miller. I don't know what their existence in WCW or professional wrestling would have looked like without this. So it's hard for me to get super negative on it. I just think timing is everything. Like it's Mm -hmm. easy for us to dunk on how much money it costs and how long it took and how out of place it was in 96, but boy, 92, 93, 94. I think you could have been printing money merch wise. Imagine how many little kids would have wanted glacier action figures for Christmas in 94. A lot. Again, of them. again I, can, I hate to keep doing this because I don't want to bore the audience, but going back to what we were talking about in the first part of this podcast is imagine. Yeah. 92, 93, 94 would have been better for WCW, but I don't think it would have worked in either. Cause we still didn't have the audience, right? right. We were still skewing so much older with our demographics that I don't think that demo would have resonated at all. However, if you just use your imagination and you know, what if, what if Glacier, Mortis, Ernest Miller, Wrath would have been WWE in 1992, 1993. Shit. It'd be all, they'd each have their own Island somewhere in the South Pacific would have worked really well because they had well, the talent and the ability and, and WWE had the audience that would have connected to that type of gimmick. Whereas even in 92, 93, 94, WCW didn't. You were blowing up boats with little people on them though. So some of this, I wasn't sure. Sadello did. Oh God. Listening. Okay. I'm putting the heat where the heat belongs. <laughs> Sharon deserves that. She did that. She had control of that budget. She had control of the creative. She blew the little fuckers up. She thought it'd be funny. She thought it'd be entertaining. She really wanted to be in the movie business. And she was doing this kind of shit to try to, to prove that she was way better than just being a wrestling person. That's where all that came from. Speaking of people who were better than their gimmicks, even though he's not a popular person these days, you and I agree that Old Disco Inferno, man. That was a gimmick right there. Now, again, probably loosely based on a movie. You think? <laughs> but let's think about that. Like, I think that cat shows up in like 95 for the first time. That movie had been out forever. I mean, like, I think that came out in 77. Who in WCW is like, I got an idea. I was watching cable the other night. This movie came on. That's just hard for me to wrap my head around that. Somebody thought we could bring back a 1977 character here. Diamond Dallas page. That was his idea. I don't know if it was or not, but I'm going to put it on him. (laughs) Cause he never gets any heat. He never gets any heat. I'm going to put it on DDP because he, him and disco were tight. He was advocating strong for disco. He's pushing hard for disco. So I'm going to just take a wild ass guess and assume that he was the one that was really pushing that coming, but well, yours truly let it happen. Come on now. Oh God. 
now let's and talk you know about fun? I'm sorry, Conrad. I, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you, bro. All but right. do you listen to Disco on Conan's show? I have. I don't listen every week. I've been on their show several times. I know he likes to stir it up. I know sometimes he's just quote unquote working a gimmick. He's trying to get everybody stirred up, and I understand that. And it's funny because uh other people in the podcast space do it and they love it. And <laughs> He does it and they don't like it as much, but because the gimmick was designed to get heat and still does. That's why it's such a good gimmick. I defy you to come up with another character that is still somewhat kind of sort of in the business today, even though it's peripherally that still gets heat because of that character. And disco is it just go work that gimmick to, to a T you did just want to see him get beat up. Let's, uh, Let's talk about somebody else we all wanted to see get beat up. Ed Leslie, Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake. He had every bad gimmick you could imagine. And he's brother, every one of them. He's brother Bruda. He's the butcher. He's the man with no name. He's the Zodiac. He's the booty man. He's the disciple. These are all WCW gimmicks besides, you know, beefcake. God dang, dude, this is just bad, bad, bad. But it was a package deal, right? Yep, it's a package deal. Had to try to find something to get him over that he was capable of doing. Keep in mind, you know, we talk about skill sets on a mic, and and not everybody has to have them. I shouldn't be as critical as I, I'm sure I sound. Not every performer has to be great on the mic, but if you're playing at a high level, he's in there with Hulk a lot, he's, you know, He's in a, he's performing at a pretty high level. No, well, he's not performing at a high level. He's performing in high level positions. There's two different things, but, um, yeah, we just tried to make anything work with him. Zodiac has to be the goofiest one. I forgot all about it till Cassio and I were doing the show last week and up pops an image of Brutus's the Zodiac. It's like, wow really wish I was high right now because it'd be a lot more fun looking at this stuff. (laughs) It's just crazy. Can you believe it? It's finally here. It's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you get stressed out about how to pay for it. SaveWithConrad.com can help you make this the best Christmas ever. You won't make a house payment for the next two months. That's right. Skip your next two house payments and use all that cash for your extra holiday expenses. And come next year, you're going to have a lower monthly payment. Don't put Christmas on a credit card. Pay your credit card debt off at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. SaveWithConrad.com. Uh, yeah, you probably need to be on something. Uh, I know we needed medication. Uh, Jim Ross is going to be mocked by Ed Ferrara playing the Oklahoma character. Just poor taste, just classless, just not cool. Anything else to say about that? I mean, you, you covered it rather than jumping on that train of thought it's also what happens when you don't really have any good ideas oh okay it's it's easy to make fun of someone that's easy it doesn't take any talent doesn't take any imagination to make fun of people zero and i think that that was a real mirror into the creative horsepower of both ed and 
Russo. Ed gets Ed gets left out of the conversation a lot and probably deserves to because I think, you know, I worked with Ed and I worked with Ed a little bit when I was thinking about coming back to WCW or actually when he brought me back before it was announced. Um, I was actually working backstage. I don't remember the date, so please don't ask me. But if I made my appearance in 2000 in, let's say, April, just taking a guess, um, I had probably been working for a month or six weeks behind the scenes without anybody knowing it uh, with Ed to try to get the house in order so that when I came on, uh, when I came back and the world knew it, I wasn't walking into a cold situation. I wanted to have a few things in place before I made my official return. So I worked with Ed a little bit there and I enjoyed working with Ed at, on that level. Um, but I also worked with him and Russo in TNA for a moment or two. And Russo really dominated that team. He, it, he was 80% of the team. And I don't mean talent-wise, but in terms of just dominating the room and consuming the oxygen in a meeting and all that, it was mostly Russo. But I think that that gimmick was so hard. It was desperate, and it was, I mean, it's just a reflection of lack of creativity. When, you're, when you have to make, you know, it's different if you're Saturday Night Live and everybody's tuning into the show, anticipating parody and that kind of humor because that's what that show is. But to do it on a wrestling show, particularly with somebody like Jim Ross, and you can say what you want. I mean, I, you know, Jim and I had our own issues um, back then. Um, clearly not now. He's a good friend. But um, even when Bill Shaw, and it was Bill Shaw's decision to let Jim go, I concurred with Bill. Bill did consult with me. But I did, I, I did agree that it was better to let him go because of the situation. Not to digress too much, but, you know, Ross was, when Bill Watts came in, Ross was right, he was attached at the hip. And Bill Watts got so much heat for so many different things that Jim got splattered with a lot of it. Right. And Jim was bitter. And I just didn't see, I didn't see Jim pulling out of that. I really didn't. So when Jim said, hey, I've got a chance to go to WWE, and Ross was still under contract to WCW. And Bill Shaw came to me and said, what should we do? And I said, let him go. If he doesn't want to be here, he's miserable anyway, and he doesn't really want to be here, why would you keep him here? Let him go. But even though I I was, I concurred with Bill or, or supported letting him go, Bill had a lot of fans, or excuse me, Jim had a lot of fans in WCW. Yes. And to make fun of that guy, especially in, in that situation, stupid. This is stupid. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I agree. Agree. Uh, let's talk about some other interesting ideas. Alex Wright, the former dick dancer, <laughs> now is going to become Berlin. 
that's kind of a cool look and it shows his range to be able to pull off both characters. So you talk about a 180. I liked it. Is this I think it was a bad gimmick at all? Was that Alex's idea? I don't remember. I don't remember whose idea it was, but I liked it a lot. And it's still pretty cool. You know, just, we just saw a, a look at it here in ad free shows. Um, it's a good look that would probably still kind of sort of work today. Berlin, of course, uh, is a character that debuts, uh, at the beginning of 1999. or he's kept off until the beginning of 1999. I'm bringing this up because when you take a look at that character, all dressed in black head to toe, almost looks like a trench coat, even though it's not really in April of 99 is when the whole Columbine thing happened. Do you think just based on the look and presentation that might've hurt Alex, Wright? Could people have drawn Cause at the time people were saying, if you, if you recall, you take yourselves back to April of 99, I think it was April 20th. Um, I don't know why I remember that, but if, if you recall, people were saying it's gotta be the violence in video games. It's gotta be what kids are seeing on TV. And they were calling themselves the trench coat mafia and they were wearing all black and they would hide their assault rifles inside their, their long black jackets. And now here comes this Berlin character supposed to be evil bad character from Europe and it's got the long black trench coat looking thing maybe WCW in this standards and practices era and just trying to be sensitive thought maybe not I I I mean you asked two questions there um do I think the audience kind of connected the two I don't think so Maybe they did, and I was just oblivious to it. But even looking at that character now and, you know, remembering the whole Columbine thing, um, to me, Alex looked more like a a European rock star. He looked like somebody you would see touring, you know, in Amsterdam. Um, I didn't connect those dots. Now, did the audience? Perhaps. I'm sure somebody did. But I don't think it was to the extent that standards and practices had to say, "Hey, stop." Well, I think it was de- it was delayed. I think it was going to be a bigger part, and then it just it doesn't hit the way it doesn't get the. I, I thought Alex Wright deserved a better push. I guess is what I'm saying. He was a great performer. He made both of these extremes work, uh, and they both well, one of them looked cooler than the other. But boy, that timing. You know, you think about a guy like Muhammad Hassan, where they were doing all that silliness with Hulk Hogan and the WWF and all that stuff. And then there's the real deal terrorist situation in London that happens before a taped SmackDown can air. And it's just done. Timing's everything, is it not? Yeah, it is. But I think, you know, going back to, to Alex Wright's character, he played that Dick Dancer character for so long. It's tough to shed that, man. Johnny yeah. B. Bad. We've talked about it before here in the show. Johnny yeah. B. Bad had the same challenge. You know, when you when you play a character too well, you can get typecast in wrestling just like you get typecast in movies or television. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes you can be build a career being typecast as a character actor or actress. But sometimes it can work against you. 
And I think that was a bigger issue for Alex than whether or not the audience connected that character to a Columbine-esque type vibe. Next up, uh, well, this is maybe the worst gimmick ever. We turned to the American hero, the guy who stomped to the ring with that American flag for over a decade into a Canadian. Jim Duggan is now Canadian. I don't even know that that's the most egregious thing. Maybe it's the idea that he found the TV title in the trash can. Just a lot of bad ideas in this era, but maybe one of the more, wait, what are we doing? Ideas was Dustin Rhodes coming in as seven. He, uh, does a, a few weeks of promos and then he debuts and cuts a work shoot promo on how shitty the gimmick is and how, how he would much rather be Dustin Rhodes. Boy, that doesn't really help us get over a character. Does it? What year was that? Uh, this is in the Russo era. Surprise. Okay. Thank God. because honestly you know i'm still pretty good friends with dustin and if i was involved in that i would be i'd be calling dustin up as soon as the show's over and apologizing the uh the gimmick was supposed to be based on the strangers from the 1998 film dark city uh, standards and practices thought that this gimmick could be misinterpreted as a child abductor. So they drop it, but it, it debuts in <laughs> November of 99. You're out of here. So I can't necessarily lay it at your feet, but I understand we had a big, a lot of success with the whole gold dust gimmick, but seven, maybe not so much. Clearly not. Uh, let's talk about, uh, MIA. Of course, we, we know that Brad Armstrong is going to be bouncing around for everything. Well, I'll tell you what, we're talking about hard and we're talking about ding dongs. You know what we're talking about? (laughs) Ah, That's exactly right. We're talking about manscaped. You recognize that? That's the ding dong thing. (laughs) They had a theme. You're going to have a theme, a clean wiener this holiday season. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert. With the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, they are indeed the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. They've blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. We talked about it last week. I double-dog dare you. Bring this up at Thanksgiving. Do it. Talk about it. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer. And gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the promo code 83 weeks for free shipping and 20% off. Think that holiday spread is good over at your house? Well, it's time to give thanks for that Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. You'll get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. The Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, a travel bag. It's a cornucopia for your ball bag, son. They got cutting-edge ceramic blade technology. We're going to reduce those accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. You ever seen your sack under a 4,000K LED spotlight? You can with this gimmick. (laughs) You can even shave wet or dry. You ever shave your hog in a hot tub? Well, you can. I don't know why you would, but you could. And the Weed Whacker, I love it. It's 9,000 RPM. 
360 degree rotary dual blade system. Gonna get rid of all those hairs in your holes. That crop preserver ball deodorant, buddy, they got Tony Schiavone his job. It, the crop reviver toner spray, it gave Eric Bischoff the guts to write the grateful book. This is the secret sauce, guys. And how about the old shower products? They got a body wash, they got a body buffer. Clean your dirty ass gimmicks up, y'all. They got a new signature deodorant. A couple of swipes, you'll be feeling oh so crisp. Gifting Manscaped is the ultimate hack to become the family favorite. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 83 weeks at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code 83 weeks. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls. Well, thank you. How about that? Uh, we've talked about how he was a part of um, the No Limit Soldiers. He's also a part of the Misfits in Action. And so is the former Hugh Morris, who we've now named Hugh G. Rection. That's Russo. Is this one of the most embarrassing? Listen, I know there's a lot of Bill DeMott haters out there. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, can you imagine? Like you tell your mom, Hey, mom, I'm, I'm going to be on TV tonight. Oh, okay. Great. Honey. I'm debuting a new character. Oh, you're not Hugh Morris anymore. No. Well, that was kind of a bad name. The way they tried to make your name sound like humorous Hugh Morris. That was kind of lame. What I think Derek, Derek Sabato was telling me in chat that this was 1999, which puts it on my watch. What the misfits in action. Hugh erection. Right. I need I need confirmation of that because if it's true, I gotta go I gotta go thrash myself. Can you imagine he's being on the phone with his mom trying to explain his new gimmick and no mom, I'm not Hugh Morris anymore. And yes, that was lame. What's your new name, baby? Hugh G Rection. Misfits in action started at April 17th, 2000, and you are there. You're gonna berate a crew of wrestlers including Hugh Morris, Lash LaRue, Chavo Guerrero Jr., and Booker T. And, uh, yeah, eventually they show up. Hugh G. Rection, Lieutenant Loco, Corporal Cajun, and Major Stash. And who could forget Major Guns? Didn't but, she end up, did she, what, what was her name, her real name, do you remember? Uh, Tylene Buck. Did don't, she go into porn? Don't Google her, just in case. Huh? Don't Google her if your wife has access to your computer. So she 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 did go into porn, or is she doing that that home porn? You don't know. Or you're not I know. Say? I, I, I mean, <laughs> you're not going to say. If you want to see your hottie holes, they're there. Just throw it in your Google machine. She's got a she's got a OnlyFans and a only whatever else you want, and she'll show you only everything. Um, mm. But I'm talking about your huge erection. And you're not giving me anything about your huge erection. Hugh G erection. Are we, are we setting up a Bluetooth spot? No, I'm waiting no. on you to tell me about your, your huge. I mean, this is your, this is I your don't think it was. I don't think it was. I, I, you're back. You're, you're doing it with him. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. There. And again, let's just go into a little bit of a conversation about April and when Brad Siegel called me up sometime in January or whenever it was, February, and say, hey, what, Eric, what would it take for you to come back? 
spent a little bit of time negotiating that deal with my agents. The, the idea was that Brad wanted me to oversee. I didn't, I wasn't an employee. I couldn't fire. I couldn't hire. I was there to try to oversee Russo's work to keep him from being in Brad Siegel's own words. He said, Eric, he's just too dark. Everything about the way he writes and presents a product is just negative and dark. So my job initially was to try to work with Russo. And I came in with all the greatest intentions. Honestly, I did. I met with Russo. We, we met at a little restaurant over by the airport where I used to keep my plane. And because we didn't want anybody to see us together. And uh, over in Kennesaw, Georgia. And I, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to make this work. I'm, I'm going to adapt. I'm going to prove I can do this. That was my thinking. So I didn't like go in in April and start shitting all over everything Russo did. I kind of built up to that. Sorry, <laughs> it happened eventually. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't. It's not like you know I wasn't going to go in the first day of the first week on a job and you know tear everything up because that wouldn't have worked. That would have just escalated an already bad situation. So that's my excuse for letting that happen, but it was embarrassing. You know, it's just, it's, and you know, I say a lot of stupid shit on this show. That's embarrassing. It's not that I'm above embarrassing myself, but it didn't, it, it was so juvenile. It wasn't, it was just juvenile. It was just like, like 14 year old locker room humor. And that was, that's the embarrassing part to me. It's just so childish like some prepubescent little fucker that just got his first stiffy and wasn't even sure what it was or why it was is now writing your wrestling show. It's just weird. Well, let me ask you this. Did you have a stiffy for three count? Because this is another one of those not awesome WCW gimmicks or maybe All right, you know, who's going to get this one. Who? Jimmy Hart. That's a, oh, that makes sense. I guess. That's a Jimmy Hart creation right there. And around this time, I think I let Jimmy write the WCW Saturday night shows. Um, and that's a that's all Jimmy Hart right there. And the uh this boy band eventually inducts Tank Abbott. Does he lose a bet? Does he fall out of favor? Who who tells him? No, that? it's just the irony. I think you know irony is fun and interesting sometimes. And I think yeah. you know you look at those three guys and you look at Tank Abbott and you go, "What the hell? What?" But no, that was that was Jimmy, and, and it may have been my idea to put Tank in there. I don't know, but yeah, that that original conceit, as they say. Let's chat about a few other uh, interesting ideas here. The Kiss Demon. I think we've broken down the business idea behind that one. And I mean, again, sort of like Oz, I could see it. Maybe it's a new opportunity. It's a new merchandise opportunity. Uh, I get it. But the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea, who really needed that? What is that? I mean, I understand we're, we're spoofing the artist formerly known as Prince, but are we listening to pop culture a little too much for this stuff? Do you think? I don't think so. Okay. No, not every character has to be dead ass serious. I thought, you know, I, that character didn't bother me. I thought it was kind of tongue in cheek funny. 
And he what? could, and he was a great wrestler. He was a good wrestler. He was not a great wrestler. He's a good wrestler. I was fixing to hang up on you if you were gonna die on that hill. Uh, <laughs> what about the maestro? Allegedly, he's only even here because he's got the gorgeous shorts trademark. Is that right? Look at yeah, this yeah, that was, and I was very involved in that, much to my chagrin. You ever, you ever think, hey man, maybe we shouldn't fuck with these music gimmicks? Never had one that worked. Honky Tonk Man, Van Hammer, No Limit, West Texas Rednecks. Okay, maybe that one. The Kiss Demon, the artist formerly known as Prince Ikea, Maestro. As a rule of thumb, for a young or aspiring wrestler, want to have a lot of success in wrestling, don't do a fucking music gimmick. Fair I wish I would have known you back then. I wish you would have, <laughs> like, if you and I were doing a podcast back then, you could have, you could have, you could have called me up and said, Hey, Eric, I got, I'm just sitting back, you know, watching what you're doing here. And you're like, Owen 40 on the music gimmicks. <laughs> <laughs> so give it up, son. Give it up. That is a tough one. Uh, there are some silly ones that are just sort of ripoffs of the WWF. Of course, they've got China. So we've got Asia. They had Virgil named after the real life dusty Rhodes. So. We're going to name our cat Vincent after Vince McMahon. We even had a IRS. Well, now he's VK wall street, which is like a Vincent Kennedy. Come on. Uh, they even have nails off WWF TV. Now we're going to call him the prisoner, the amazing French Canadians. Well, they were the Quebecers. You ever go to like Walmart and they have like off brand foods. You got like the real product here at your eye line, but down by your ankles, like if you had a emotional support dog, he'd be looking at the off-brand Walmart brand, the great value, and they're going to call it whatever it is. So I don't know what it is, but like, I think they have a soda. There you go. It's not Dr. Pepper. It's fucking Dr. Thunder. It's not Mountain Dew. It's Mountain Lightning. That's sort of what this naming process looks like wcw like oh, let's, really does, product. let's just you know this bottom of the bottom bottom of the rack bullshit let's do that that's exactly what it is you're right on the money with that observation and i really appreciate the video support by steve kaufman here on uh at three shows and youtube it's awesome but yes that's exactly what that is that 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 what you saw there what you just covered there you remember how i said well, we were talking about uh, Ed Ferrara. It's just yep. that that character portrayal of Jim Ross was basically them screaming, "I don't have any good ideas." Yeah. So was this? Yeah. This this was okay. We have this character. We're bringing him in. We don't know for sure what we're going to do with him or if he's going to work. So, what's his gimmick? Oh, he's coming in as whatever. Okay, good. Let's try that. Not much of a process there. Yeah. And that did happen. Almost exactly the way, even got you know, characters like Roadblock. I'm not saying it's exactly how that happened because I honestly don't remember, and I don't think anybody should blame me for not remembering that one. But because um, it is for, forgettable, but that's that happened a lot of times. Is guys would come in with a gimmick and they get they get by whoever you know in the booking committee that wants to give them a shot. I come in with that gimmick. We throw it up against the wall. And if it stuck, it stuck. If it didn't, it didn't. 
and it's unfortunate, by the way, I'm not trying to justify it because we, we, a lot of, a lot of opportunities, you know, we talked about Glacier and Morris and Rath and all that, and that being a timing issue, but there was a lot of other great talent or good talent that could have been great talent had more thought and more of a process gone into developing their characters as opposed to throwing it up against the wall and hoping it sticked. And even in 96 and 97 and 98, when WCW was rocking, 97 being the peak, I was guilty of that. I let it happen. I didn't. I mean, I, I should have demanded, required more of a process, more of a thought process in uh, an evaluation before just letting guys out on TV with silly ass gimmicks, because once they go out there and bomb or they just don't get over, you don't really get another shot. Not anytime in the near future. It's hard. It's hard to repay. You know, Mark Merrill, Alex, Wright, Two guys. They got pushed so, so long and so hard at such a high level with such silly gimmicks at that time that there's, there was just no coming back from it. The audience was not going to forget that first character. You look at you look at the wrestling audience. They're very, very loyal. Most people that are wrestling fans, active wrestling fans, have probably been watching the product for 10, 12, 14 years or more. Like you, you know, yeah. me. You know, you've been watching it for the better part of your life. Well, you're watching this character and you're watching this shitty character, this character that's just not resonating for any reason. And you just not, you're not going to forget that one. You're just not. Well, thankfully, most of us forgot about Ranger Ross, the giant ninja, Yoshi Kwan. Boy, these are some brief. Yoshi but- Kwan was cool, man. You got to give me good joke. And I don't think I came up without Yoshi. Yoshi Kwan was early. Yoshi was in 91, maybe 92. And I, he was probably still there in 93 when I was when I became executive producer. Wow. So you, you're a big fan. Chris champion is the guy who played the character. I was I, not a big fan, but I, but I dug it. I thought, it, you know, he played that character really well. It was a distinctive character. It was unique. And, and Chris champion did a very good job of trying to execute on that character. I didn't, I didn't hate it. It was 1993 by the way. All right. See, it was close. Um, let's talk about another crazy one. <laughs> you got the ECW world champion. A guy who's been putting on unbelievable performances over there, just cracking motherfuckers with tables and chairs. Oh my, those top rope power bombs. Mike Awesome was a force. And you made him that 70s guy, which was pretty lame. But it was at least better than the fat chick thriller. What the fuck are we doing, man? Yeah, Can the you fat imagine? Chick, the fat chick thriller, I think, was a Russo concoction before well, I said about that. But <clears throat> but um, what was the second character? After that seventies guy. Now, of yeah, course, that was probably. I probably let that happen. That seventies show was a nineteen ninety eight show, and uh, he's going to become that seventies guy. And you know, listen, we've oftentimes talked about how special the Undertaker character was, and how really only Mark Calloway could have done that. With anybody else, it would have been a short lived gimmick. But man, he somehow made it work. Imagine if. Undertaker did come to WCW, bro. We're gonna put you with these fat chicks. <laughs> I just can't imagine it. Would have been a short conversation, huh? I can't imagine Chucky at Halloween Havoc. 
I can't imagine the Ultimate Warrior being in the Wait ring. a minute. Wait just a minute. What do you mean you can't imagine Chucky and Halloween Havoc? We're seeing Chucky in WWE still to this day. That was a groundbreaking. Well, uh, just because huh? you did bullshit first, don't make it revolutionary or not bullshit. It makes it money is what it made it. It made money for WCW and it made money for WWE. And you're probably going to see that shit every year around Halloween. So get used to it. Yes, you can thank me for it. What about Warrior being in the mirror and only Hogan being able to see him? That was How much money did you make on that? That was fucked up. <laughs> what about having Ric Flair pretend to have a heart attack and then that putting him in? Brilliant. Oh god. What was wrong with that? No. Come on now. Anybody that watched Ric Flair in the ring and he get himself so worked up, his eyes were bugging out of his head. He was spitting when he was talking. He was so emotional. Who wouldn't have a heart attack? I think it was, I, look, man, it made, it got a buzz, right? Controversy. Well, it didn't really create that much, but look, don't shit on that idea. That, that was, it may have gone a little too far. Nah, it didn't. It was fine. Well, something that uh, I've let you go this entire show without talking about how terrible it was. Can't believe this is real. The Yeti. Yeah. Quee wee. Quee wee. Where the fuck? Where did that come from? I mean, you were doing drugs back then. I mean, no, I wasn't. You ha- well, you should have been. That would have been a better excuse than I like this idea. I'm not sure where quee wee came from because that's a hard one to even say. Quee wee. Fuck. I got it's a idea. little fucking bird in New Zealand. I mean, nobody's going to. Look at that. By the way, you can see all these silly shits over on YouTube. If you haven't already, youtube.com forward slash 83 weeks, throw us a like over there, hit the subscribe button, turn your notifications bell on. It's the easiest way to introduce your wrestling friends to the show who may be a little overwhelmed with a two hour opportunity here. So a little bite size gimmicks, a little snack size. Got an idea for you, Eric. What's that? Actually not totally my idea. Matt Godfrey on Twitter actually suggested it. And uh, he was just saying hypothetically, and I say we fucking do it. If you could book a worst gimmick battle royal, who would be in it? And I'm thinking, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, they had a WrestleMania 17 gimmick battle royal. But what if we had the worst ones from WCW and we just piled them all in at the next Starcast live show? Yeti and Shockmaster. Well, didn't pull that one off, but why not? Nobody's dead. But that'd be a good one. I, well, not, not just them. I'm saying I need like 30 of these outfits. Oh, all it's a battle Royal. So just like, maybe not 30, but 20 of the worst gimmicks ever. That's actually a fun idea. I mean, I really want to do that now. That's a fun idea. We could use this show as kind of our template and reach out to everybody that we've highlighted on this show and see if they'd be willing to go out and embarrass themselves one more time. Um, uh, but have fun doing it. Sure. I'd, I'd be up for that. That'd be a hoot. Yeah. I, I think it could be a lot of fun. And, and speaking of a lot of fun, we're going to have a lot of fun next week. We're going to have a special guest. I don't want to ruin the surprise, but let me say this. We're going to talk about things that we've never talked about on this program before. I'm going to ruin, I'm going to ruin the surprise. Cause I just got a confirmation or do you want to keep it a surprise? It's up let's to you, keep, man. Let's keep, it a, let's keep it a surprise. All right. I'm glad you got the confirmation though. I'm also glad that your new book is out. 
check it out on Amazon or anywhere else. You can get a paperback. You can get a hardcover. You can even get it on Kindle. If you do the Kindle gimmick, buddy, it's on your, your, your gimmick right away. Immediately. I'm talking real time. Instant. Can't beat that. Instant uh, gratification. Hey, play on words. The book is called grateful. You could go to Kindle, order it immediately and have instant gratification. Something to be grateful for right there. And we're grateful that you guys decided to join us. We hope that you'll join Eric at WrestleCade. You can pick up tickets to see him this weekend at WrestleCade.com. And uh, if you hurry, maybe you can order that book and have it in time and get old easy E to sign it for you. By the way, you get all of our shows early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. Uh, it starts at just nine bucks a month. So really think about that. It's like pennies per episode and you get all this content with not one commercial. Plus, we just launched a brand new series called The Book. It's taking a month-by-month journey through the actual handwritten booking logs of Jim Crockett Promotions and World Class Championship Wrestling. We got Fritz's old books, man, in his handwriting. David Manning breaks it down, his right-hand man. And we've got Jim Crockett Jr.'s old books with David Crockett, his brother, sort of explaining what in the world was going on and what's going on inside the mind of a promoter. Nobody else has this. Uh, They also don't have the family business. It's a brand-new show we just started where the legendary now Carrie Morton Third generation Morton just won the NWA uh, light heavyweight championship or junior heavyweight championship. Excuse me. He's going to be interviewing other second and third generation stars about what their experience was like growing up in the business. Maybe you want some more uh, Q and A, some more live interactive experiences. We just sat down with Jim Ross and did a watch along of the Montreal screw job. You got to ask questions. We did the same with hacksaw Jim Duggan. You got to ask him whatever. And even Watch Halloween Havoc 92, Jake Swansong and WCW with Jake Roberts and asking questions. It all happens over at adfreeshows.com. We hope you'll check it out. And uh, we've got some special offers coming, I think, right now for the holidays. And I'm fired up, man. This was a fun show. I got to bust your balls a little bit. You made it a little easy on me. Uh, but <laughs> I, hope, I hope you have a, a, a great turkey day this week. Safe travels to WrestleCade. And uh, I'll see you next week right here on 83 Weeks with Derek Bischoff. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.